Just a few hours ago, Jesus, the carpenter teacher from Nazareth in Galilee, was standing on a mountaintop, talking to a pair of his friends. A simple statement that one can readily imagine for oneself. But there are a few important details to add. Just a few hours ago, in the middle of a normal, workaday day in the life of the human race, Jesus, the incarnate Son and Word of God, God Himself, the carpenter teacher from Nazareth in Galilee, the place He had anonymously lived out the first 30 years of His life, going through the same motions we all go through, was standing on a mountaintop, which He descended with His three closest friends, and upon which He spontaneously burst into dazzling glorious light, talking to a pair of His friends who were the seemingly long-deceased Moses and Elijah, the old covenant bearers of the fullness of the law and the prophets. So yes, just a few hours ago, Jesus, the carpenter teacher from Nazareth and Galilee, was standing on a mountaintop talking to a pair of his friends. That is a simple way to describe that particular day. And now, he and Peter and James and John are descending. So that's the scene up there what is happening below. Well, the other nine of his disciples are waiting for them. They are nestled between two foothills, sitting where they've been sitting all day long. That morning, he had risen with the dawning light, beckoned to those other three, and then walked off and away and up, without any explanation to these left behind. These ones didn't share the journey up the mountain, didn't see the scene at the top, haven't had the conversation that's been had on the return journey down. They have been sitting in a circle, waiting upon the return of the others and the teacher, and they are in a bored, non-expectant sort of frame of mind. But what's this? What's that sound approaching? It rises from the northeast, heading their way. A large crowd. Another of these wandering masses of people that ever and always follow closely behind Jesus. They are coming along the trail directly towards the nine. They are a mixed, strange-looking lot of people. There are the typical swarms of Galilean peasants, fishermen, farmers, small-town business people, and two, also others from Jerusalem by the look of it. These others carry themselves with all the self-conscious dignity of their religious station in life. They are scribes, the disciples see. The crowd arrives and surrounds them. They're all looking around for Jesus. Finally, a man steps forward, holding a child in his arms. And interestingly, one of the scribes steps forward just back of him. I need the teacher to heal my son, the man says. Where is he? He is yonder, up the mountain, one of the disciples replies. The scribe then steps forward past the father. He steps directly toward the disciple who had given this answer. So let us see you heal him, the scribe says. The authorities have been hearing that you, his disciples, can heal. So let us see you do it. Or, the disciple says, we could wait. We do expect him back before the day is done. Or, the scribe smiles, 
You could prove his power by the doing of one of those supposed signs and wonders. We have come for this very purpose, you see, to investigate and to confirm or deny. The nine are suddenly shaken out of their day-long lethargy. The name and reputation of Jesus seems suddenly to be their personal responsibility. They draw themselves up to a higher height, as one does, and they all examine the situation with this father and son. The son seems to be in a sort of trance. His body is stiff and unrelaxed, though even now the father cradles him. There are tremors and ticks of movement, as if all at once he might suddenly burst into crazed, manic, terrifying sorts of convulsions. One of the disciples steps forward, wearing an air of authority. He holds out a trembling hand toward the boy. In the name of Yahweh, and by the personal expressed directive of Jesus from Nazareth, I heal you. The whole crowd leans in. The father is looking down into the face of his son. Nothing seems to happen, or seems to have happened. Another of the disciples steps forward, less confident. He approaches toward the father and his son. Tell me about his case, the disciple asks. The father is looking into the face of his son as he replies. He has a spirit that robs of speech and that tortures him. It grabs him wherever he might be, throws him down on the ground, makes him foam at the mouth and grind his teeth down to nothing. He has not an ounce of a childlike spirit. He is robbed of everything a boy should have. He has been to the doctors? The disciple asks. All, the father responds. Then the disciple steps back, similarly raises his hand in the direction of the boy, and says something very similar to the other. I call upon the God of our fathers as one who walks with Jesus, and I say to you, little boy... Be healed. Again, the crowd leans forward to watch. The father looks down into the face of his boy. Nothing seems to happen, or seems to have happened. One of the scribes begins to laugh. The whole crowd begins to murmur. Then, coming from around the bend, with the light of the day shining from behind him, Jesus and Peter and James and John rejoined the other disciples and immediately saw that they were surrounded by a large crowd and that some of the scribes were arguing with them. As soon as the people saw Jesus, they ran forward excitedly to welcome him. He greeted them quietly and came all the way down to the others. He looked around at the faces of the disciples and scribes. What is the trouble? Jesus asked them. A man from the crowd, the father of the boy, answered, Master, I brought my son to you because he has a a dumb spirit. Wherever he is, it gets hold of him, throws him down on the ground, and there he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth. It's simply wearing him out. I did speak to your disciples to get them to drive it out, but they hadn't the power to do it. Jesus didn't reply for a long moment. He ran his hand through his hair, brushing it back from his forehead. 
Then looking away, he sighed. (sighs) And he answered them, What a faithless people you are. How long must I be with you? How, How long must I put up with you? Bring him here to me. This tone, these words, stunned everyone. No one moved for another long moment. Then they brought the boy to him. And as soon as the spirit saw Jesus, it convulsed the boy who fell to the ground and writhed there, foaming at the mouth. The father fell down beside him, kneeling in the dust and dirt by his head, tried to hold him still while he thrashed around. Strange, guttural noises were rising from the boy's lips. The scribes and the crowds of people turned away, affected. How long has he been like this? Jesus asked the father, looking intently, not at the boy, but at him. Ever since he was a child, the father replied, without raising his eyes. He spoke these words as if in a dream as if the circumstances of his life were more powerful than all life. Again and again it has thrown him into the fire or into water to finish him off. But if you can do anything, please take pity on us and and help us. The eyes of Jesus flash with disbelief, with alarm. If you can do anything, retorted Jesus, Everything is possible to the man who believes. The father of the boy looks up, stands up. I do believe, the boy's father burst out. Help me to believe more. When Jesus noticed that even more of a crowd was rapidly gathering, more passers-by coming down off the main road, he spoke sharply to the evil spirit with the words, I command you. Deaf and dumb spirit, come out of this boy and never go into him again. The spirit gave a loud scream, an eruption of noise that frightened all who heard it, and after a dreadful convulsion, left him. The boy lay there like a corpse, so that most of the bystanders said, sadly, finally, he is dead. But Jesus grasped his hands, and lifted him up, and then he stood on his own feet. The father sank to his knees and held the boy close to his chest. The crowd watched their embrace with a mixture of awe and fear. And when that father and son had gone home, Jesus and his disciples had already gathered their things and were themselves walking off down the road toward the sea. It was late in the day, and he wanted to make for the southern shore. They walked on a great while in silence. Then Jesus' disciples asked him privately, speaking whisperingly away from the ears of the crowds that followed, Why were we unable to drive it out? Jesus himself seemed to be whispering, but as if to himself. His lips moved and his eyes were turned skyward. The disciples realized he had been walking along and talking with his Father in heaven. They had just interrupted a conversation. 
He glanced over in their direction. Nothing can drive out this kind of thing except prayer, replied Jesus. That was the last thing he said that entire evening. <laughs>